The following content is not suitable for children. George, a lot of therapists and people ask me, like, well, if women naturally have more responsive desire, does that mean that every woman then is a sexual withdrawer? And I would say, no, absolutely not, that we can have different styles, and it's different than pursue-withdraw, because pursue-withdraw is actually a push and a pull that gets us tangled up and is kind of dysfunctional. So I want to talk about that, the difference. Let's do it. Okay. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fowler, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. Again, we're always trying to get specific on this podcast, so you got to start off simple, but sometimes that pushes people into boxes that don't fit so well, right? And then I'm like, ah, does this really resonate with me? I'm not really that. And no, you got to have flexibility. You got to start somewhere. So yeah. most of our listeners appreciate the pursue with draw because there are, those are the two ways of protecting ourselves, right? right? Every human on this planet has a fight or flight response and we all use some of both, but a lot of us are more in one category than the other. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about a lot of times there's an overlap, the emotional cycle, I withdraw because that's what I do with my emotions, right? But sexually, I pursue so I can switch roles. Not everybody does it. Sometimes people withdraw in both or vice versa. So, you know, I, I think labels can be helpful, but they also can be dangerous, right? Because yeah. if I limit myself to just what this label says, and that's what I hear you saying, like, if I'm a receptive person, does that mean I'm a withdrawer? No. Not necessarily. There probably is a correlation a lot of the times, but not always. So let's let's make that distinction. So receptive desire is a more female style of how they participate in the sexual relationship, that they don't have as much physical push from testosterone. Mm -hmm. So they kind of do need to be cued by emotional connection when they spend time with their partner that kind of gets their juices going and they want to have sex or, you know, they get cued with romance or they get cued by something clever sexually. There's something that mm -hmm. sparks in their brain and says, oh, yeah, oh, sexy. Versus, I think, many more men with higher testosterone, their own body, they kind of wake up thinking about sex. They feel an erection. They, they have so much more in their body that just tunes them into the sexual world yes so if you're a female and you are receptive and you're going to put yourself in a situation where your body should do what it does and turns on with the right foreplay and everything else yeah like that's secure attachment that's yeah. that's a loving beautiful thing to do to be true to yourself and true to your partner that doesn't make you a withdrawer because you're not right. initiating right and so knowing that this is what happens to me and i'm not a sexual withdrawer i just make it really clear to my partner what mm -hmm. i need right. you know it's like i know you get prompted for sex a whole lot and that's such a great thing because it really keeps us sexual and i i need that from you i love that from you i just you know, I, I don't think about it naturally as often. So when you remind me, it kind of gets my mind going again. And if you just give me a little bit of space and, you know, the other thing that works for me is I I like back rubs. I like to like come into my body because, mm -hmm. you know me, I'm frantic. I'm 
always running six ways to Sunday. And so that would really help me. And you kind of give your partner a clue as to how to help you. You know, that's not yeah. sexual withdrawing. That's just my body doesn't push me as much. I'm I'm more responsive sexually, but I'm open. I'm willing. I come into those moments with a lot of information from my partner about what I might need. And that information is coming forward. I'm not necessarily, you know, sending flirty texts every day or waiting for him to walk through the door so I, you know, grab his briefcase and pull him into the bedroom. But it is the way I I give myself sexually. I'm informative, yeah. communicating. Well, it's not just that you're receptive. You're also in touch with your needs and wants. Right. Right, which is what right. makes me makes it sound like that's what a sexual secure person can do yes. right they know their style they know what they like they know what their partner likes and they're able to respond to that so i might you know you might be more receptive in the person we're playing but you don't allow that receptivity to make you not in touch with what you want and what you need. That's what a sexual withdrawal would be. They're receptive, but they're also not in touch with their what their wants are. Yep. And they wind up using sex becomes something to do for the other person instead of themselves. And the withdrawal Someone is a defense. You know, is a defense, it's against right. a defense against intimacy. Receptivity is not a defense. It's, it's a way of being. Yes. Right? But as long as you can hold on to your wants and doing it. If you right. can't, then that's what's going to pull you in the direction of the sexual withdrawal. Yeah, I have a girlfriend who is surprising to me, but she is a sexually receptive partner, mm. you know, and she and I talk about sex all day long. You know, that's one of the main things we talk about when we get together. And I know she's very sexual. She likes all kinds of things. She likes all kinds of experimentation and and she's highly sexual. She's orgasmic and She's communicative. You know, she's told me about flirty texts that she and her partner have exchanged. She's she's a great sexual partner. And I asked her recently, well, how often do you initiate? She said, never. I'm like, mm -hmm. what? You're kidding. Like, such a sexual brain. But, you know, she just doesn't. She's really still more responsive. Yeah. I still think there's work with that. And we're all never where we need to be, right? We're all works in progress. But to lean into that, like, what is it that makes you not initiate, never hit your radar? Could you give yourself a calendar alert on your phone? And like, what would that be like to play with it? I mean, I still would like to see a receptive person every once in a while tap into, they got to think yeah, about yeah, it yeah, and yeah. want to initiate it too, right? That, so that does feel like there's an element of protection in that. To yeah. never initiate. Yeah. I mean, I think somebody that's receptive in nature maybe might not initiate 90% of the time, but they still should be able to tap into something. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that if it were a problem between her and her partner, you know, and her partner were to ask, like, look at, I too want to hear you come out first with your want for me. I, I think actually she does do a lot of that, like expressing right. how attractive he is, how how desirable he is, how much she wants him that kind of thing. And to um, ask for what you want is initiating, even if it's yeah. in the act, right? Yeah. That's in the act of initiating. Yeah. Like, I want you to do this position with me instead of that. I mean, that, that's pretty good stuff. It's coming forward. Yeah, it's, it's coming It's not forward. withdrawing. It's coming forward. Right. It's, it's going towards your partner in vulnerability. Right. Yeah, so mm -hmm. 
I would say that in a responsive cycle, if you're naturally responsive and your partner says to you, you know, I get it and I'm willing to initiate most of the time, I kind of like pursuing and chasing that's exciting to me and see if I can win. Good. You know, but some of the time, I just want you to drag me upstairs or, you know, I, yeah. I want you to reach over and really grab me and tell me you want me right now. You know, whatever it is. No, I think it's it's helpful to help people honor their natural styles. You know, we all have like a natural way of being. You know, some of us are late and others are early. And like we, you know, we have our personalities and there's nothing wrong if we flip it around, if you're the initiator, mm -hmm. right? That doesn't mean you're a pursuer. It doesn't mean you're anxious, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's, you have this energy that wants to express itself and you, you, you can put that into action. Yes. Right. But so often that person who's the initiator, we see as the problem in a the relationship. They want sex too much. They're anxious. They're, you know, they're pushing for it. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, so I, how do I we think, make that distinction? I think you just said it. It's the difference between a pursuer and somebody with initiating sexual style is they're not anxious. They're mm. joyful. It's like, hey, guess what I just thought of? Ooh, you know what I want to do? Or, you know, all of that is so exciting to them that they share it from their heart, from a vulnerable place. And they're not thinking, I, I bet you my partner is going to reject me. I bet you I'm going to have to ask three or four times before this happens. You know, my partner is going to say no. And so I got to push harder or I get angry because or I flatten my joy because I'll be too much for my partner. It's like without anxiety, that initiating style. I, I think many people experience that early in relationship, right? They're like, hey, I was thinking about you and you know what I want to do. And it's not anxious. Yeah. And the goal is that secure attachment is to be a, a flexible, healthy initiator. So to have a clear map or target of what that looks like, right? It's the, just like the withdrawer, it's accessing their want for that pursuer. It's, it's, what's the word that you're using? It's lack of Initiating. anxiety, which would be what? It would be that confidence that yeah, like, confidence. Oh my God. Yes. They're confident. Yeah. That feels good, doesn't it? It does. It feels like so Like when good. you're confident, you're like, hey, baby, you look good. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, have, what do you take? Like, it's just like, it, it just moves it. towards because it's like eating an ice cream cone. It's like you want something good and you just, it's, you know, you like it and it's going to taste good and there's nothing stopping it, right? right? It just expresses itself. Right. But the anxiety is like, uh-oh, wait, she's going to say no, I don't have enough money for the ice cream and I'm going to get upset. Yeah. Like all of those worries start to kind of change the message. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's freedom and confidence and joy, I think. I like it. I like it. So I hope there's some pursuers out there saying, I want that. I want to feel that, that freedom. You know, I don't I don't like this label of being this kind of anxious pursuer. I want to mm -hmm. be this 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 more direct best version of me. Mm -hmm. And some people, I mean, they did have it. Maybe early yeah. in their relationship, they were a little more secure sexually. Or it was just the stage of life, right, when they were in an experimenting stage where they just put it out there and their partner was really up for it. And and so then, of course, in a long-term relationship or in a marriage, when we get into that negative cycle, you know, mm -hmm. ooh, it can be so like, what happened? It can be such a blow, you know? Yeah. And the other person is like, yeah, all you want is sex. 
You don't want to spend those hours and hours of time with me and talk to me, which is what I really needed to be sexual. Yeah. Yep. And the sexual negative cycle kicks their ass, right? And then it turns both people into somebody they're not. It but does. trying to get clearer on what it looks like in a healthy place, what initiation receptivity, I just think it gives more space and words for people to, you know, feel more seen instead of labeled. So let's come back and talk about maybe the emotional cycle and might what this might look like if we start to shift a little bit these words, pursue and initiate and receptive. Okay. And draw. Okay, good. Cozy Earth is so cozy, George, and we're going into fall. I'm so excited. I'm going to like buy more sheets. My kids are coming to visit, and so I'm so excited. Every bed gets cozy earth sheets in my house. When you and Kathy come, you're going to have to sleep on cozy earth. I'm just telling you, because it is the most luxurious like oh soft sheets sexy sheets it just makes you want to take your clothes off i'm telling you cozy earth it was featured on oprah five cozy things no five favorite things it's responsibly sourced from bamboo it comes with a 10-year warranty and cozy earth bedding is temperature regulating which is important if you're like a person who likes warmth and then the other person likes cool sheets like my husband i'm telling you it is the softest sheet ever. Good news. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer to our listeners today. Get up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code foreplay. So go to CozyEarth.com and use that foreplay code. Picture this. You're hanging out in your favorite spot. You've got headphones on and the world around you kind of fades away because you are listening to a Dipsy story and feeling immersed in this really vivid world. And you're starting to turn on as you listen to these sexy scenarios. And then you bring all that energy back to your partner. Ooh, ooh. What do you think, George? Voila, Lori, developing that erotic mind through listening to one of these Dipsy stories. Dipsy is an app that's full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. And they bring scenarios to life from immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. You know, you discover stories about second chance romances and adventurous vacations and it's hot and heavy. So, you know, it can be really spicy. You might even be able to listen to an audio by your favorite TikTok creator to like talk about their pleasure and their fantasies. So new content is released every week in between listening to those favorite stories again and again you probably find something new to do, something new to explore. And I think adventure is fun and sex. So for our listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash foreplay. So you got nothing to lose. Try it for 30 days and see if these stories rock your boat. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash foreplay. Dipsystories.com slash foreplay uber lube it's a luxury lubricant can you say that three times fast uber lube luxury lubricant you know basically it's pure silicone bliss it is made from superior ingredients it has skin soothing vitamin e and it goes on just like natural moisture and it lasts a long time there's no drip 
The glass bottles are truly beautiful. You can leave them on your bedstand. I do. No problem. Nobody notices. And it's basically like this thin, slippery silicone formulation. It reduces friction, which is great, but it doesn't reduce sensation. And it stays slippery long enough for lasting pleasure. They have travel-friendly toughened glass bottles. You can slip it in your gym bag. You can slip it in your purse. You can be ready whenever. Try UberLube, the silicone lubricant, at uberlube.com. Use the code FOREPLAY for 10% off. Really, it is the best lubricant on the market. Secure emotional attachment. What would that be like? I love the emphasis in the sexual cycle that the initiation and receptivity when coming from a healthy place, we replace the anxiety with confidence. We replace the not knowing with knowing what you want. There's a reason why that has a lot better results. It does. So we talk about the sexual cycle. The idea is not to get the withdrawal to become a pursuer. The withdrawer still is going to want to go away and find safety when you know they're introspective or they want to think things through. But the key is that when they don't feel safe, they can talk about it instead of going away to find their safety. Mm-hmm. So if I'm having a hard day, you know, and I'm at work, I can't talk to my wife about it. I got to figure out these problems. So I go into my own head and my own world and I do what I do. That's resilience. Mm-hmm. And you need to do that to, to function in this world. Sure. But if I come home and I'm worried about something and something my wife's doing, it's hurting my feelings or send me a message that I'm doing something wrong. And I deal with that feeling by going away, I'm withdrawn. Right? Yes. I'm heading towards self-regulation instead of mm-hmm. co-regulation. So a withdrawer who can, can actually talk about that can engage, but would we call that initiating? I mean, so many emotional withdrawers are very receptive in conversations. If their partner wants to talk about something, they're open to talk about, but they tend not to initiate the emotional conversations. Sure. So I don't know if receptivity is enough here. No. I do think the, um, the emotional withdrawer has to initiate some conversations around what they need or help emotionally. Yeah. I mean, if maybe in that moment, the partner is able to clarify, look at, I don't have any bandwidth right now to talk further, to tell you about my day, because I'm just processing it and I'm at the end of my rope. It's not you. I I just, I got to get a night's sleep before I can even talk about today or something. Mm -hmm. That's coming forward. That's explaining yourself. That's telling you your partner what you need, what has to happen. And that's okay. It's okay to not be instantaneously ready to talk emotionally. It's that's not withdrawing. That that's explaining, you know, your needs and asserting your needs. Right. But other times I think, yeah, when you like have a habit of not telling anybody about or telling your partner about the hurts of the day or or maybe the hurts in the relationship, and you just go, I'm going to keep that inside. I mean, you, you have to be brave and risk and say, yeah. you know what, this is, this is what I'm needing and afraid of. And yeah. I think a lot of securely attached withdrawers don't have the same need for some of these conversations. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be right. balanced. Yeah, they right? have it's like- more autonomy, for instance. Well, yeah. they're also more receptive to these conversations. So like yeah. if my partner needs to talk about it, I, I don't want them to be alone. I want to help oh, them with me, it. More, okay, right. right. Sorry, so I they're more receptive 
towards their partner sharing emotionally than they do. But you got to have some reciprocation. In yes. That, right. It's yes. like you, there ha we all have times in our life where we get triggered and get nervous. And like to me, that you just can't always be receptive in the emotional conversations. You have to initiate when it, when you get triggered. Right. You have to share some of your own vulnerabilities and flaws and problems. You Which, know, maybe we, we don't share them with everybody, hmm. but with our closest friends, with our partners, we got to share, you know, hey, I got, I got triggered in this situation at work. And I just, you know, it reminded me of my dad, you know, I was never good enough for my dad. And I just, I heard that from my boss. And I just felt like I was, you know, 13 years old again, or something. I mean, yeah, it's not, we don't even have to ask for help. But it's the sharing of those times that we wobble, we don't have confidence. That really, I think for most people, it makes us so human. It makes us so endearing to hear those things. It's like we want to hear that from our friends and yeah. partners. So it sounds to me the same as the sexual cycle that you could, the majority of the times, be super receptive, and that's more your style and your personality. But if you're really going to be secure, you have to at times be able to tap into that part of you that can initiate into need. And that's what a healthy, receptive person looks like. If you can't share your needs, then, you know, you're going away for safety. That's what we're calling a withdrawal. Mm -hmm. So you can be a receptive partner emotionally, emotionally too. Yeah. So what about the pursuer? Pursuer yeah. who, again, often has the anxiety that pushes the need to protest to try to create change because they're not happy with the disconnection, which is also a pretty healthy thing to do, right? It's going away, finding safety or pushing, they are healthy moves to try to get what your body needs to get out of these bad places, but yeah. it creates, right, these, these predictable negative cycles. So the person who initiates, how do we distinguish emotionally the initiating? Is it the minus the anxiety? What do you think? I think it is kind of minus some of the emotional onslaught on, you know, it's like, you know, when I think about, okay, there's a problem between me and my partner. What am I feeling about that? How did I get triggered? What does that do to me? You know, how would I normally protect myself? But what do I really need? And simply asking, that's the only thing I communicate. You know what? I would really like it if, you know, you call me when you're going to be late. That's it. Like, instead mm -hmm. of telling all this whole story about how you trigger me and how upset I am, just break it all the way down. Underneath it all is this need. And I ask. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it simplifies communication so much because the partner doesn't have to go through, oh, I failed you. I forgot to call again. I was late. All mm -hmm. that. It's just like, okay, and I just, I just need this. Can you do this? And you make a request, a real direct request. And your partner has an option of saying, no, I don't think I can do that. Or yes, I will do that. Right. I mean, what would it be like as... Clearer signals. I clear, mean, that's the sign. direct requests and signals. It's the sign of secure attachment. Yeah. You're still going to be the one who initiates probably more of these conversations. Yep. You have more of a need to have these conversations. You might be more of a verbal processor. And like, that's just your personality. And that's cool. Yeah. Right. But you can do it in flag. ways... Right. You can do, and that's, you tend to notice distance quicker. You tend to be more focused on the relationship and 
the key is that you can bring it up without triggering the partner, letting it turn towards criticism and anger. Right? You can initiate, like we're saying sexually, just minus the baggage that usually comes with the initiation. You recognize your partner's triggers, you know your own triggers. So couples learn to have these conversations, right, in more protective ways. So I like what you're saying. You can say, hey, listen, you know, I know you had a busy day and we haven't had a chance to talk, but you know what happens when we don't get a chance to talk and I don't really want that to happen. So if you could really just find 10 minutes for us to go on a walk and check in, that'd be awesome today. Right. right? And it's like, that's a healthy initiation. It's, it's not unloading, you know, all this kind of stuff that starts to overwhelm the partner and set this negative cycle into motion. Yes. Yes. I like that. Oh, very cool. So in the emotional cycle, the withdrawer has to be clear about what's going on with themselves and sometimes be vulnerable about their needy plays, their upset plays, about what they need in the relationship that's not working. They have to risk that. And the pursuer... Stay with that a second, though, because okay. it's not either or. It's and both. They can go away when they need to because they find some safety in there. Sure. And they can ask for help when it's, you know, things start getting too hard for them. They can initiate. Most of the time, they're probably going to be receptive in conversations, right? Because mm -hmm. they, they're good at self-regulation and they, we want them to continue to be good at self-regulation. We just want them to also be good at co-regulation. A lot of times they're good at co-regulation through responding to their partner. Mm -hmm. But what we're saying, that's not enough. Sometimes you also got to initiate because you need and your partner's not a mind reader. So sometimes you're going to have to initiate. And when we can see that, that balance of them doing both co-regulation and self-regulation, yeah. even in a more receptive style, we know that's, that's secure. Right. Because we see this evidence and the proof of that positive emotion. Yeah. I, I love that. I do. Now do the other one. You were going to say that now the emotional pursuer yeah so the emotional pursuer it's they have to kind of learn to regulate that anxiety inside first and kind of sort it through this is what i feel this is where i'm coming from but how do i just communicate to my partner simply so that i don't trigger them most of the time that's without all the tea up of what I felt about this and how upset I was about this. And now at the very end, I'm going to tell you what I need. I think by that time, most withdrawers are kind of drowning. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you just start with, hey, what I really need from you is, like you said, maybe it's 10 minutes of conversation. Let's go sit by the fire with a glass of wine tonight, you know, and just catch up. That's what I really need versus, you know, you haven't talked to me in three days. You seem preoccupied by work. I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling alone. Mm. It's like drown, drown, drown. It's just like, I just want to be with you. How does that yeah. feel? They see the health in initiating and in asking for help. I mean, that's the key. It's okay to be anxious. We're not saying you shouldn't be anxious. We're saying when you should be, when you are anxious, you could identify it. And you could ask for help in simple ways that protects your partner so they don't get ambushed or blown up by kind of what's going on. And both people appreciate that. Mm -hmm. The person who's receptive likes being able to help. The person who initiates gets the help what they want. That's a beautiful working cycle, right? That's not a pursue and withdraw. That's two people doing what they need to really strengthen their bond. Yes, yes. 
what I hope our listeners are taking out of this is just a healthier appreciation. You know, we use these labels, pursue and withdraw, and a lot of times they fit, but there is a pathologizing that's in that, like I'm this pursuer and I'm this withdrawer who's doing it. No, it's just we're in protective modes, mm-hmm. right? And there's a difference between those protected states and these natural states of just healthy initiating or, or responsiveness receptivity. Yeah. Right. And, and again, if we look at that as a clearer signal, just like great sex, what, what is it that works great? If we know that more clearly, it's easy to hit the target. I feel clear in this conversation. Like I can be more receptive and that doesn't mean I'm a withdrawer. And I just know what I need to get out of that, which is I need to be in touch with my need or just like the pursuer. Like I can be someone who initiates without being anxious. Yeah. Right. And I can come from a place of confidence. That's such a cool image of it working in, in such a secure place. Great. Thanks for listening. Keep initiating or receptive. What do you want, Pari? <laughs> you end us out today. I'm sick of it. Keep it hot. I want to hear what do you got there. And initiating. I want it both. I want both. Ooh. Ooh. Let's end with having it both ways. Ooh, let's have it both ways. I would love to invite you. This is women only. But we are having a retreat in Asheville on November 10th through the 12th, and it's going to be a slumber party. And so we're going to like all stay together in the same cabin. It's a beautiful space, and we're going to have meals brought in and made, and and we know who the chef is, and so it's going to be wonderful. Maybe drink a little bit of wine if you'd like to. And we have kind of some talks and time to work to Asheville, your sexuality. So The whole goal of this Women's Sexuality Retreat, the Slumber Party, is to basically enhance and develop yourself, your erotic self inside. So we're going to be talking about anatomy and physiology and sexual attachment. We're going to talk through blocks, you know, what stops us, what are the breaks against our sexual expression, and then what are our gas pedals, what are our turn-ons, how do we open up more sexually, like with enhanced sexual pleasure. We're going to talk about orgasms and role play and using joys and fantasies and some stuff. And each night we're going to have a pajama party where we just relax and sit around and talk on the deck and hang out together. And and then on Sunday morning, we're going to set our focus and have concrete steps toward sexual engagement with our partners. Sounds pretty awesome, Lori. And all the men, don't worry about it. Maybe we'll have like a Spartan camp out somewhere, have a couple <laughs> beers and, you know, we'll do our own version of that someday. <laughs> that would be great. So love to invite you. I will post it on foreplaysextherapy.com under resources and there will be the retreat, the scheduling events, and you can link and figure out if you can make it with us on November 10th through the 12th in Asheville. Okay, so tell us about your cutting-edge training that you're doing on success and vulnerability. Lori, we just keep pushing it, coming up with a new module on the playbook of a pursuer, playbook of a witcher, really practical, moment-by-moment moves of what a therapist can use. You know, we're so focused on what's happening in session. Enough of this talk about theories and these global things. We, I think most therapists are looking for, what do I do in this moment? 
give me a tool, George. So that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I am so glad you guys are doing this work. I think it helps us be organized to see you do it. You do demos, you do explanations, teaching. It really is interactive. And I think that so many trainings that we sit through don't give us an opportunity for that. So what you're doing is really important. No, we try to emphasize the teach it, show it, do it model of learning. Right, you need to have some ideas, so we try to teach those. And then we try to show what it looks like implementing those ideas. But most importantly, you now got to practice it. That's how they become yours. And that's what we want our, our listeners and watchers to do is become their own moves. Find George and his teaching at successandvulnerability.com. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.